Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. The Gays Against Guns show is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Sean Stefanik. And I'm Sarah Germain Lilly, and we are your Radio Gag hosts. Gays Against Guns stands with President Biden and the GVP movement, calling on Congress to pass the assault weapons ban of 2023 now. After last week's horrific killings at, at a Nashville, Tennessee Christian school, we hear renewed calls for bannings of semi-automatic rifles and the enhancements that turn them into fully automatic weapons of war. Our show today is on the export of American gun violence to other nations around our globe but specifically to Mexico, by means of illegal trafficking of weapons to the drug cartels that control some provinces of Mexico. How they get from manufacturers and dealers to the drug lords and what can be done to stop it is the subject of our show today. And let's not forget that these cartels exist to import fentanyl and other illegal drugs to America, where deaths from overdoses are at record levels. Let's hear from Robert Dominic with the GVP News Update. This report is based on the August 18th, 2021 NBC News article. We're going to start with a game, Price is Right Style. I ask a question, you give an answer. Closest answer without going over wins. What percentage of firearms reported recovered in Mexico between 2014 and 2018 submitted for tracing were U.S. sourced? The answer is 70%. Ding, ding, ding. And the winner is? There is no winner when it comes to America's unhealthy obsession with guns. Author and researcher Ion Grillo has been immersed in the seedy world of arms trafficking. His research was cited in a landmark gun manufacturing lawsuit in Mexico. Some of the countries he has traveled to these past few years include Germany, Romania, Serbia, and Colombia. Following one trail led him to an arms dealer in Bulgaria. Grillo flat out asked the man, are you worried that the weapons you sell legally may later fall into the hands of criminals or terrorists? The man replied, no. The nonfiction book, Blood, Gun, Money, How America Arms, Gangs, and Cartels, written by Grillo, digs into the complex world of arms trafficking and its intimate relationship with the rise of violence in countries like Mexico. NBC News reported it's a comprehensive investigation that took Grillo around the world as he followed designers, manufacturers, distributors, traffickers, and criminals united by a single product, weapons. According to the Mexican government, at least 17,000 homicides in 2019 were linked to arms trafficking. Authorities estimate that more than 2.5 million guns have crossed the southern border of the United States in the last decade. Grillo said the increase in the flow of weapons to Mexico started in 2004. 
From 1994 to 2004, there was a ban that greatly reduced the sale of weapons of war. When they lifted it, huge purchases began to be registered and the war in Mexico began. Between 2004 and 2006, assault weapons became available as fights broke out between rival cartels. When asked what the difference is between American and Latin American countries, Grillo replied, The explosion of mass shootings in the United States is one of the consequences of the absence of arms controls. In contrast, Latin American countries have thousands of criminals with firearms, mostly from the United States, but they do not have good security forces or the institutions to control the escalation of violence. In some countries, like Venezuela and Brazil, gangs steal police weapons all the time. Neither of those sound anything except horrific. And America's obsession with guns, here, there, everywhere, continues to rage on. This is Robert Dominic reporting for Radio Gag. Thank you, Robert. Sean, we had a show when a little over a year ago about the lawsuit that Mexico was bringing against gun manufacturers. We absolutely did. Weapons in other countries is a very big problem for which we or manufacturers in this country are responsible. Two years ago, the Mexican government did sue gun manufacturers here in the States for 10 million against weapons that ended up in their country. The case was dismissed last fall. Since then, however, this case is set to reappear, and this time, the Mexican government is not alone. Other countries, such as the Bahamas and their surrounding territories, have also jumped on the bandwagon, so to speak. This case and its previous dismissal are not taken lightly, thank goodness, and we're just going to have to wait and see what comes next. Thank you, Sean. Now on Radio Gag, we speak to Highland Park survivor, gun violence prevention activist, Ashby Beasley. Ashby is a courageous activist who got on Fox News last week after the Nashville shooting by asking the news crews, aren't you tired of this? Good afternoon, listeners. I am here with Ashby Beasley. And Ashby is such an exciting person, uh, hopped right on camera during the coverage of um, that Fox News was doing for the Nashville shooting. Ashby, how did you come to this work? Um, my son and I are survivors of a mass shooting that happened last July in Highland Park, Illinois. Um, a man opened fire on a parade with an AR-15 style weapon, um, an Independence Day parade, and we ran for our lives. And ever since then, I've just been trying everything I can to pass a federal assault weapon ban, I'm traveling to D.C. I've been to D.C. about 12 times since the shooting and have met with over 130 lawmakers. Um, I was there when it um, the assault weapon ban passed the House last year, watched it die in the Senate. And so this year I'm back at it, focusing on Republican lawmakers and just trying really hard to stop the access to these weapons, the easy access. I hope all the listeners know I'm an ally with Gays Against Guns. So my husband and I were, we were in Evanston and we heard about the shooting on the 4th of July. We were visiting my daughter and son-in-law for the first time since COVID. And uh, 
and you know, we canceled all of our plans. We jumped in the car, uh, and um, I, I said, uh, you know, let's go to the grocery store and let's get uh, stuff for uh, root beer floats because uh, that's one of my husband's favorites. So my my daughter went into the grocery store by herself. And all of a sudden, I was afraid for the first time in my life that she wouldn't come out of that grocery store. This is incomprehensible that we have to live with this level of fear. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened in Buffalo. People were grocery shopping, doing something all of us do every single day. And, you know, that's the sad fact. In the U.S., you can get gunned down in the produce aisle. You know, you send your kids to school, you don't know if you're going to get them back. It's just crazy. Go to a parade, a movie theater, a music uh, festival. You can be shot and killed anywhere. Yep. So effects in our community, we're all, we're all horrified and terrorized every time we get a headline. But not, not only that, now we're watching our backs all the time, even more. But what do you say now is the most effective way to end this and tell us about the work that you've been doing. So um, the only way we can, the only way we can solve this problem is with gun safety legislation, um, background checks on every single gun, safe storage laws. I mean, this is the only way to combat the issue and banning assault weapons. Um, the truth is, is that you, you hear lawmakers talk about this is a mental health issue. You know, guns don't kill people. People do. Well, you're talking about, so you want to give those people guns? That, that doesn't sound very logical. But they have mental health crisis all over the world in every country. And they don't have mass shootings like we have. They don't have gun violence the way we have it in our country. And the reason for that is, is that other countries do not have access. Um, their civilians don't have access, the easy access to weapons as we do. Um, and so, you know, we're not different in the idea of like mental health or any of these things that it all comes down to the easy access. So those um, measures, those for gun safety are the only way to combat it. There is really no other way to, to change this problem and cut down on the gun on these gun deaths. And it, it really comes down to background checks on every single gun purchase, including private sales, gun safe storage laws. And also we have like over 4 million children who are living in a house with a loaded unsecure weapon. That is unacceptable. We need a safe federal safe storage law and we also need to ban assault weapons because civilians shouldn't have um, access to these kinds of weapons. It's just crazy. So I've been going to D.C. and this year I've been working a lot with Republican lawmakers um, trying to get them on board. We had bipartisan support for the federal assault weapon ban last year when it passed the House. Um, so I've just been working really hard to get more bipartisan support. And um, and just that's that's all we can do every day. You know, every time we get a new co-sponsor, it's a small victory and we just celebrate them big um, and we're inching there. But it's it we need everybody to step up. Everyone needs to step up, call their lawmakers, demand change. What happened in Nashville was incredible. All those people coming together at the Capitol and saying no more. That's what we need to do as a country, because it's only a matter of time till it comes to your community. So you were getting into it on the fentanyl crisis and how this is an issue that Republicans uh, care about 
and how we can apply some leverage and get more people into assault weapons ban and into controlling the export of guns, which is a national security problem. It is. And, you know, they're using 50 caliber rifles that you can buy in places like Texas and Arizona. Um, They're powerful enough to take down a plane and they're easier to buy than a handgun. So it's become a real problem. And so, you know, they're when I first started this in this space, I would have Republicans say to me, like, you know, well, the farmers along the border, they need to have access to assault weapons because of the cartels. And, you know, I as like to learn now, you know, as time went on and I started to learn more to like to, to hear like this, that this narrative is completely wrong, that we are actually the ones who are arming cartels and we're fighting against our own weapons. And the solution is so easy. The solution is so easy to ban assault weapons and that would disarm cartels that would curb the fentanyl crisis. And yet we still hear Republicans go on and on and on about, you know, these talking points that they're riling up their base and and um, with no solutions to them when there is a solution. So I think, honestly, if we can get our Democratic leaders to step up and to call them out and say, let's solve the fentanyl crisis. Let's call, let's, you know, let's, let's solve mass shootings. Let's solve um, school shootings, uh, mass shootings and, and killings that are, you know, of American citizens. And let's also, you know, curb the fentanyl crisis. I feel like if we did, if democratic leadership was very vocal about this, bringing up these points to Republicans, I think it would create a conversation among their, the Republican base, like, because they obviously don't know about this. When I talk to Republican lawmakers and um, Republican voters, they're, they're like, wait, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, this is, you know, the Washington Post did a huge story on it. They did an entire in-depth reporting on it. And uh, Mexican government has sued us twice. Um, we're, they're currently suing us for $10 billion because of the death and carnage our, go- our guns are causing in their country. And so, you know, the, it's all there. This is all public knowledge. People just have to look at it. And I think our Democratic leadership has to get loud. You know, Dick Durbin, when he gets called out by Lindsey Graham, needs to come back and say, well, I I do care about the fentanyl crisis. That's why I want to disarm the cartels from using our guns to enforce it. Um, But it's really hard to get that messaging across. And, um, you know, but I will say that I met with Speaker um, Amarita Pelosi um, two months ago in Washington, D.C., and um, she recently gave a speech um, in front of Generation Lockdown, and she talked about it. She talked about the guns in Mexico, and um, that was just incredible to hear from leadership. So I think we'll get there um, eventually. I think it's just going to you know, take us pushing it and being like, listen, we have to address the fentanyl crisis. It's our guns. Very cool, Ashby. You know, I am, I'm going to be phone banking this week with some friends and I'm going to call Dick Durbin's office. I'm going to tell him to meet with Ashby Beasley and to get on board of this talking point of the fentanyl crisis and how it's all related. And it it is whenever American lives are at risk, that is a national security issue. What else is there? So I love the work that you're doing, and I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Is there anything else that you want to tell our our listeners before we say goodbye? If you guys are phone banking, I 
So, so strongly urge you to call um, Rep Representative Fitz Brian Fitzpatrick. So Brian Fitzpatrick is a Republican. He is one of two um, Republican Congress people who voted yes for the federal assault weapon ban last year and giving it bipartisan support when it passed the House. He is a great person. He currently has a bipartisan background check bill that he is um, trying to get passed. He cares about gun safety legislation and has proved it with votes. He told me personally, I met with him twice this year. He told me personally that he will vote yes if the federal assault weapon ban gets up for a vote just like he did last year um but he has not co-sponsored and so i am urging everyone to call him and urge him to co-sponsor hr 698 which is the federal assault weapon ban um once we get some republican support we get bipartisan support on this bill we will be able to get other republicans to to come on and and help us to push this through and so it's it's just got to start with one person and he's already voted yes so it's just so easy for him to just you know what i mean put his name on this and and help us get that achieve bipartisanship on this and really you know when you look at the past bills like the um other federal assault weapon ban from 94 to 2004 and the um um, Firearm Owners Protection Act from 86 that effectively banned machine guns, they all had bipartisan support. Like Republicans and Democrats worked together on gun violence solutions and they cared and there's no reason why we can't do this again. So I would really urge people to call Rep Fitzpatrick and just make him feel the heat. I've been asking my followers to blow up his phones and um, I called and spoke with them today and they said they are getting a lot of calls. So um, you call, you press one or three, three is for uh, other calls. Um, and then you're not saying you're not a constituent. So if you press three, it's for other calls. And over the weekend, you'll be able to leave messages. And I'm just going to urge people blow up their mailbox until it's full, you know, so they come in on Monday morning and it's just call message after message after message, like urging him to support the bill. So thank you so much, Ashby. Ashby Beasley. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank, thank you. for everything you guys are doing. Thank you. <laughs> Back at you. We're going to have a giant GVP pancake breakfast at IHOP or something like this when that assault weapons ban passes because now is the time. <laughs> All right. We got to do it. Thank you. And now we return to our show with Poe Murray, leader of Newtown Action Alliance, a fierce advocate for national gun violence legislation. Poe and an international delegation of leaders and gun violence prevention activists, including Manuel Oliver, father of Joaquin, who died in the Parkland shooting, met with officials in the Mexican government to delve into the problem of violence, drugs, and illegal American guns. Good afternoon, listeners. Good. We are speaking with Poe Murray. She is the leader of the Newtown Action Alliance. She's going to share with us today details, information, and connections about the international delegation that happened about a month ago in Mexico. So, Poe, can you tell us what happened in Mexico and break down the issues? Sure. So about a month ago, um, I was asked by John Lindsay Poland um, from Stop U.S. Guns to Mexico, uh, a campaign of global exchange, to travel to Mexico City with 
an international delegation um, from uh, Belgium, uh, Israel, uh, Austria, Germany, and Italy, um, and also Manuel Oliver um, and some other um, stakeholders to travel to Mexico to meet with survivors who are impacted by U.S. guns and are living um, in fear uh, for their lives every day, and to learn about how that the violence in Mexico is impacting uh, our nation as well. Can you break down the issues and tell us about this cycle of violence that starts with illegal trafficking of guns into Mexico? Sure. Um, a recent report from the ATF um, showed that over 70% of Mexican crime guns come from the United States. And the majority of those guns are being purchased in Texas and in Arizona and being illegally trafficked into um, Mexico. While we were in uh, Mexico City, uh, we had an opportunity to meet with the foreign affairs minister's team uh, with uh, a lawyer um, who works for the foreign minister who is suing the gun manufacturers in, in the United States um, because of, you know, their um, support essentially to for um, U.S. guns to be trafficked into the country. And the sad thing is about 70 percent of the guns that the Mexican crime guns are assault weapons. And as you know, we have been leading the fight to pass the assault weapons ban since my neighbor killed 20 children and six educators in Sandy Hook. So it's been a decade and the gun industry has profited significantly. In fact, they have made $11 billion from production of 13.7 million assault weapons, AR-15s, um, since the Sandy Hook tragedy. And now... Um, 20, nearly 25% of all guns being produced are AR-15s, uh, whereas in 1990, only 1.2% of guns being produced with AR-15s. So the gun industry and the gun manufacturers um, have been grossly negligent. Um, and also, um, it has been a strategy for them to make a lot of money. Uh, when during a time when gun sales were going down in the early 2000s. So now these guns are being trafficked into Mexico, uh, arming the Mexican drug cartels uh, that in, empowers them to um, use violence against, against its own people, you know, to traffic, uh, you know, drugs like fentanyl to the United States. So um, and it also impacts our border crisis as well. Uh, many Mexican families are being displaced by the violence. And in fact, when I uh, when we went to uh, travel to Guerrero, uh, which is one of the states in Mexico, uh, to meet the survivors, um, we met so many um, whose husbands and sons and you know family members have been. Uh, disappeared is what they call it. And we learned that over 110,000 uh, Mexicans have disappeared um, since they've been keeping track. And it's just tragic that our weapons from United States is significantly 
uh, impacting their lives down in Mexico. One of the main ways that you see that we can get control of uh, illegal trafficking, what needs to happen? Well, first and foremost, um, the federal government has to take uh, trafficking very seriously. And um, luckily, uh, the bipartisan safer communities um, included an anti-trafficking uh, provision, which made uh, trafficking of guns a uh, federal crime for the first time. So that's an important uh, provision. Um, but, you know, the federal, the federal government and its agencies need to do more. Uh, to crack down on the bad apple dealers um, and individuals who are trafficking these guns um, into Mexico. But since 70% of the crime guns being found in Mexico are weapons of war, I think it's imperative that Congress um, passes the assault weapons ban. Uh, assault weapons like AR-15s are not only killing our children, um, in um, in schools, um, like the one um, that happened in mon on Monday, where three children and three educators were killed. Um, it is um, also killing uh, Mexicans. And recently, there was a, you know, a, an incident in on the border uh, between Texas and Mexico, where four Americans were kidnapped, and two of them were killed. And I believe an assault weapon was used. So that's it. We need an assault weapons ban. Got it. You know, my own nephew argued to me that uh, assault weapons have now become the weapon of choice for hunters. What do we need to do? What would you tell me to do most with my groups that I can influence to um, make the assault weapons ban happen? Right now, AR-15s and other assault weapons are being used to hunt children and human beings. And uh, it's not a weapon of choice for hunting or um, for self-defense. But your um, listeners, um, I urge them to uh, join our Monday lunch and lobby sessions uh, at noon every Monday. Uh, Angela Weber, who is the director of uh, community uh, uh, relations for us, she uh, creates these amazing toolkits to make it really easy for anyone to contact members of Congress. There's, there are only two choices. You stand for public safety and the lives of our loved ones and children, or you stand with mass shooters and school shooters. So we urge your listeners to, you know, hop on those um, lunch and lobby sessions. And also, I mean, just call your members of Congress consistently to beg them to pass an assault weapons ban and all the other legislative proposals that are out there. We need it all. So I want to give you this number. It's 202-224-3121. That is the congressional switchboard number. And you can call that number and uh, they will connect you to any of any members of Congress. Put it on speed dial. It's 202-224-3121. Call your members of Congress and urge them to pass the assault weapons ban and all the other gun control bills to save your children's lives. Uh, my feet are tingling. I am just, we're on the march and uh, we see the goal. It's, it's within sight. So thanks a lot for joining us today. Appreciate your Thank work. Thanks for having me, Sarah.
That was Poe Murray from the Newtown Action Alliance, and we are Radio Gag, bringing you gun violence prevention news on many major podcast platforms. Now we return to our show with Sunu Chandy, poet and civil rights lawyer, who reads to us today from her new book, Dear Comrades. Welcome, Sunu. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, The title of this poem is Impulse Buys. On the drive home from a week-long family meditation camp, the next available bathroom break for a nine-year-old daughter was at an indoor-outdoor Pennsylvania flea market. Inside the market, we were drawn to all manner of colorful knickknacks, handmade soaps, and so many kinds of toys. After using the facilities, the kiddo asked if we could peruse a few of these booths. Recalling my week of training on mindful, be-in-the-moment parenting, and to my child's surprise, I agreed. After we smelled the lavender soap, the lemon soap, the peppermint soap, she spotted a booth with thousands of shiny rocks and pebbles. This kid had a daily habit of selecting stones from the schoolyard and asking if she could bring them all home. When I would limit this to one, she would reluctantly land on just one to bring home each day, carefully studying each one's crystals, stripes, and colors before deciding on the one. At the shiny stones and rocks booth, I am unusually patient. I even consider spending a few dollars on rocks. She seemed to sense that without me saying a word, and I could feel her heart smile. And then in one instant, everything changed. Looking towards the cashier, she saw, just hanging out there on the wall, real guns in real life. Even after all of the school lockdown drills of, we'll give you candy, just stay in the closet together and be real quiet, and all the TV news of school shootings, She had yet to witness real guns in real life. She immediately dropped the pebbles and pleaded, Amma, let's go. Please, Amma, let's get back into the car right now. My spouse and her car keys were somewhere in the area, but not easily found. And so we quickly walked toward the furthest end of the parking lot. All the while, the kiddo looked back at this building that contained the fragrant homemade soaps, the toys, the stones, and the guns. This child who knows I don't even approve of water guns. This child who reports back to me nervously after playing even marginally violent video games at friends' homes. She seemed shocked at my seeming nonchalance. I tried to form the right mindful, loving parent words to say everything was okay, that we were okay. Yet I was so half-hearted in my reassurance that we just kept moving away, as far away as we could. For in the end, I just wasn't sure if her level of terror was more accurate than mine. Thank you. Thank you, Sunu. Wow. This is where it gets really tough. I mean, it's always so hard, right? But the intersection of childhood, it, it, it's a powerful 
reminder. It's a powerful wake up call for us adults. How did you feel this week when you heard about the events um, in Nashville? I mean, as, as with all caring people, I think so many of us, um, we feel it every time and we we can't look away and we can't become numb to it. Um, this is not normal. This is not okay. And I think we need to keep our outrage. Um, and I have friends who work directly with um, Every Town for Gun Safety and other organizations who are calling on us to, to push our leaders to, to take action. And you know, that that is really the call to to not be numb to it. And I know it's really hard to face tragedy so directly. Um, but this happened, you know, just a day or two before my book launch. And it's hard to hold joyful celebration and, you know, children being shot down in, in the whole in the same, you know, moment. But that's what we're called to do, all of us. And, you know, it was especially heartbreaking because I looked back at another reading I had done. And I had emailed the facilitator saying, I've actually got to include a couple other poems on gun violence because this is the moment where we need to talk about this and take action around it. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. It's time to end our show. Don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows at any time on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. Have a great day, and please, everyone, stay safe.